Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited Podcast dedicated to the magic of music. We're doing episode 200 tonight. Joining me per almost usual. I don't, that didn't even make any sense. Joining me like he does for 90% of the episodes. Is that better? Um, here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Oh, hola, Ben. I mean, no intro for the bicentennial edition. This 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 episode is going to be one of those episodes where people are going to listen and go, "Wow, they just really didn't give much thought to this episode." And this is supposed to be like episode two hundred, which we're like celebrating, and we don't have a guest for two hundred. There's no big fanfare. We didn't do a live stream event for this. Um. We probably need to do another live stream event now that I think about it. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, to our to our listeners, send us your ideas on a classic record that we haven't talked about yet that we should do for a live stream, and um, we'll we'll work on that. Now I just you know I I stopped really focusing on like the download numbers and the listen numbers. Because a few months ago, I had an epiphany. Want to know what the epiphany was? Yes, I do. So our solo episodes, Do it, I mean, do I call it a solo episode if it's the two of us without a guest? You can. Our duo episodes, our Hall & Notes episodes, we'll call it the Hall & Notes episodes, our Everly Brothers episodes. Um those are some of our most downloaded episodes. I don't know if it's because people just don't want to listen to our guests promoting their new album or their new podcast, or maybe we're selecting some really great records to talk about, which we are. I mean, those solo episodes, the Hollow Notes episodes, I mean, we had, we did The Cure did cheap trick we did what was the other one that we did um the smiths yeah the smiths for okay so so maybe maybe that's it maybe we're just picking better records than our guests are (laughs) i don't know i don't know so anyways those do really well i'm i stopped trying to beat myself up trying to get guests to come on like i Good. You know, I went through a bunch of channels to get, you know, Matthew Sweet on, to get Lisa Loeb on. Um, those episodes did okay, but are the episodes that the two of us do together beat those handedly in the downloads and the listens. So... So for this, we could have like done a big fanfare. We could have tried to get a big guest, but I just didn't do it. So here we are. Here we are. Congratulations. We did it. 200. Yeah, I never would have believed it. I didn't believe it at 100, so I twice, I'm twice as uh, in disbelief. You're twice bitten, once shy, babe, or what is that? Once bitten, twice shy. No, I'm 100 episodes bitten, 200 episodes shy. There we go. 
All right, we've already blathered for about five minutes and haven't even done the t-shirt question. So um, what t-shirt are you wearing, Wayne? I am wearing Lone Wolf Harley Davidson, Spokane, Washington. Okay. You have officially run out of rock t-shirts, haven't you? No, I'm, I got some saved up. I actually, okay. <laughs> I actually went through the uh, notes that you have on the Google Sheet and... I have four pages of T-shirts, so I know, and I gotta, I gotta, I can go through. I know which ones I've, I've worn. All right. He's referring to the, our our Google schedule calendar master recording. I don't even know what we call it. The 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 be all end all spreadsheet. I, I created for the scheduling because you were always like, what, what's coming up on Saturday? What's, what's coming up next week? And then I created this and you rarely look at it. And so now I understand that you're only looking at that spreadsheet for what t-shirt you wore on a previous episode. So I get it. That's great. Well, I'm sorry that I'm not as organized as you. Uh, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, um, I am wearing... A new t-shirt i am wearing an almond brothers t-shirt i was just up in atlanta and macon last weekend and finally stopped in the to tour the big house which is in macon it's the almond brothers museum we listened to some midnight rider on the way home after that um so i i did buy you something i bought you a t-shirt Oh, uh, from from the big house, and nice. um, so that's that's my way of saying uh, thank you for thank you for uh, being on this interesting journey that we've been on for the last oh, almost it has three been years. A pleasure. It has been a it has been an honor and a pleasure. Yeah. All right. So we're this is our way of celebrating two hundred episodes. Uh, you came up with the idea. Because I was like, do we finally do a Van Halen episode? Do we finally do a, I don't know, what a Blondie episode? What what were some of the other ones that we were like, we haven't done, we haven't done a Rush episode yet? No, a couple of those bands come up though. Yeah, so I once the when the question was asked, I I tried to think outside the box, tried to do something interesting. I think you come up with a lot of great ideas. I was trying to pull my creative weight. Uh, and I remember 1976, the bicentennial, the 200 years of America being a huge deal um, and just happened to just Google, you know, best records of 1976. And I was I was just in, I, I loved every record that was that was coming up. Um, it was it, it was a great year for it wasn't perfect. It's a it's one of those years. that's much better after time than it probably was then. But uh, so, some yeah. truly some of my favorite records uh, recorded that released that year. It was a good year. I mean, I'm I'm looking at so we decided to come up with our ten favorite records of 1976 for this episode. Um, I'm going to be lazy, and I'm not going to put in any sound clips. We're we're just going to riff. We're just going to talk. You want to hear some of these classic tunes? You can go online. You know where all the sources are for for this. So yeah, 
strong year. I was going to suggest maybe we celebrate because I I just finished watching a documentary on Apple about the about 1971, and they weave a lot of the history around the music of 1971. And we've done a ton of episodes on 1971, so it's 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 definitely fair to say that that was a really great year of music. I mean, hit here. Here's, here's a list of the albums that we've already talked about on this podcast for 1971. We just recorded who's next. Joni Mitchell's blue Marvin Gaye's what's going on. We did an episode on Janis Joplin's Pearl that came out in 71. Neil Young's on the beach. Carol King's tapestry. Bowie's Hunky Dory, uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, which, you know, you bowed <laughs> out of. Um, that was released in November of 1970, but for, you know, for all say, all tense and purposes, it was a 1971 record. I mean, My Sweet Lord hit top of the charts in early 71. There's three albums from that year, though, that we have not done, which is just sorely lacking on our part. Sticky Fingers, that came out in 71. Uh, we still haven't done that. Um, Zeppelin Four came out in 71. And then um, possibly my favorite Van Morrison record, Tupelo Honey, came out in 71 as well. So at some point, I'm hoping that we end up doing You know, and I think we'll definitely do, I think somebody will definitely pick Tupelo, honey. The kind of guests that we have, that's that's going to be big. I think that'll, uh, man, Led Zeppelin IV, that's a lofty, that's a that's that's probably, in, I mean, that's an album I think everybody knows, but a uh, little, that might be a little intimidating. I don't we might have to coax somebody into that one. Yeah. I, and I wonder, like we just recorded a, a Bob Dylan episode, and we were talking about we were talking about Highway sixty one revisited. As far as the intimidating one, or the, the inti- one we talked yeah, about, yeah, the intimidate the, that's the intimidating one. Yeah, nobody's picked that yet. Nobody's picked White Album. Nobody's picked Sergeant Pepper's. So I think those are other intimidating records, which I get. Um. Yeah. Anyways, why don't we start with you? Tell us what your number ten album is from 1976. My number ten pick is "A Day at the Races" by Queen. Okay. And t- tell me why that uh, that gets number ten. Uh, I'm a big Queen fan. I like. I love the. You know, everything's so epic with Freddie and and Brian May. Um, this one contains, uh, I can say, probably one of my favorite Queen songs, Tie Your Mother Down, which is a weird title, but uh, it just works. Um, oh, Somebody to Love is the big hit. Yes. And it's great. I mean, it. but uh, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, that's another another one of my favorite Queen songs. I would say The Millionaire Waltz is probably my one of my top 
songs off of that record as well. It's got I Love, and you know, it's, um, I don't think it's as familiar to most people, but White Man on here is uh, a political. Get a little bit, uh, little bit of uh, rights for the indigenous. I like it. Yeah, it's got a it's it's a it's a rocking song too. It's just they were an interesting group. They could always they could do all that you know that Bohemian Rhapsody and a Millionaire's Waltz kind of operatic and orchestrated, but then they could just like tie your mother down, just just rip it up. Yeah. All right. That did not make my top ten. Just was outside. There were a couple albums. Well, we'll we'll talk about them after we go through our top ten. If I had a top fifteen, it'd be my my top fifteen. Probably would be thirteenth for me. Um, my number ten is Thin Lizzy Jailbreak. Ah. So this this has this has, uh, this has Jailbreak. You know, naturally, that's the title song. The boys are back in town. But boys are boys are back in town at, at an underrated song the, the cowboy song that's always been one of my favorite yes. uh thin lizzie songs totally agree totally agree um and i love fighter fighter fall as well um side two is just great off of that yeah i went into a deep dive on this like a couple i mean maybe a month ago i think on spotify i spent the day listening to that good stuff Good stuff. So that uh, that's that's my that's my ten. What's your nine? Uh, my number nine is the international uh, debut of ACDC, High Voltage. Spoiler alert: This is going to make an appearance on my top ten as well. You know what? I, and I when I saw that it it came, I mean, they took the, they had they had two previous releases that were Australia only. Um, so this one. Is their international release where they just basically took songs from those two albums, and and made this great record. This said, I believe we were talking about this with Aaron uh, Tap. This has the horrible neon pink European uh, version cover, which doesn't. It screams the opposite of ACDC. I mean, this to me, this is the best bar band of all time. Like Bon Scott is one of the great singers uh the great rock and roll singers and angus young it may all be you know pentatonic scale but he he kills it and he puts everything into it this this group just like i say best bar band in the world name me a better song to essentially start out your international career than it's It's a long long way way to to the the top. top i mean that's we're just going to make an announcement and and then we're going to rock your faces off for the next 45 years. So, yeah. yeah. Um, looking at the track listing, this has TNT on it as well. Livewire, the Jack. Livewire, she's got balls. Can I sit next to you, girl? That's that's an underrated underrated song. Good stuff. Um, all right. I'll, I'll I'll save where where the position is on on my uh, my top ten. All right, number nine. It is uh, the boys from Canada, Getty, Alex, Neil, twenty one twelve. I initially did not have this on my uh, on my top ten, and then I listened to it again, and I'm like, 
Holy crap, this is such a great record. Yeah, it's it's epic. It's just and you know it's I they were on the verge of being dropped from their label. Their yeah. first their first three albums, which I I love, were not going anywhere. And Mercury was very was considering dropping them, seriously considering dropping them and the and their manager begged for one more record and this is the record that they gave them. And it's it's a bold choice i mean they it's the first side is all one technically one song it tells this this whole story but this is where that star emblem and the naked man comes in and all of then i saw i saw it visually before i saw it before i heard it my you know the that star was being painted on everything um and then i didn't even listen to it probably i think it was late maybe ninth grade tenth grade i borrowed the record from a friend of ours, John Phillips' brother Jimmy, and oh, yeah. I was I was blown away, just just blown away. Yeah, the first side is pretty epic, um, but then you flip it over, and the first two songs on side two are "Passage to Bangkok" and "The Twilight Zone." Yeah, like real like rockers, like that more much more conventional rockers to this yeah. prog rock epic that you've just you know opus that you've just listened to for twenty minutes. I will say this about the um, the back cover though, I'm a little nervous for Alex. He's got some camel toe going on in that. <laughs> it was it was the seventies. It was the seventies. Uh it could happen. Yeah. Camel toe, and I think he's going commando as well. So, well, I, I think you have to uh, in those those pants, those those satin pants. They, they only call for for a commando, yeah. but yeah. And I've when I saw him live in in '85 on the Grace Under Pressure tour, they do they do like a short version of this. I think they do Overture and uh, Temples of Syrinx, and then I, one other partial song and i don't know that it's grand finale or not but um. i want to see i don't i i did the grace under pressure but i also did power windows i don't remember much about grace the grace under pressure show other than i think they did like six songs off of grace under pressure like they did they did they did a they did a ton of stuff which is great because that that album's great as well i want to say they did grand finale during power windows though i don't know well i guess i should go back on set list and see if anybody actually posted that so all right what's your number eight my number eight is the self-titled debut from boston they're just a rock and roll band from boston yeah just another band out of boston in a way um this is another one of those this is so I have a couple of punk rock albums on here, early American punk rock albums, and this is what they were. This is what the backlash was against was because this is slick. Over time, I've I've developed uh, an affinity for it, and every there's not a song on here that was not played on the radio. This thing was huge. Like there were giant billboards. It was this thing was everywhere. I do like. Um, they had a little rock and roll edge to them because the the label wanted them to go out and record with a producer in L.A. And I guess everybody in the band but Tom Scholes went uh, and just hung out. I guess they made they did they did record some Brad Delp vocals 
um, in the studio, but everything else Tom Schultz did in his basement in Boston, just re basically reworking the demo tapes without the record label even knowing it. They ended up doing the record for like $2,000 or something because they were basically just using, he was making it all in his basement. Yeah. I'm looking at the track listing. The only one that I don't recall being on the airwaves was Let Me Take You Home Tonight. Smoking, Hitch a Ride, Rock and Roll Band, Peace of Mind, Foreplay in a Long Time, More Than a... Yeah, I mean, this was... This was AOR staple. Oh. Spoiler alert, we've got a uh, Boston episode coming up. Yeah. And it's not this album. Interesting choice. Yeah, Michael's got some explaining to do. Ballsy move. Okay. Or, or a complete failure. One or the other. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, Train we'll wreck. find out. Yeah, we'll find out. All right. So that's coming up in a few weeks. All right. Uh, number eight for me. Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life, double album. My um, my biggest complaint, I posted this. I posted this on 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 the socials. My biggest complaint with the album is sometimes I feel like Stevie didn't know how to end some of the songs because some of them are really long. Like, isn't she lovely? Is six and a half minutes long. I, I love the single version for it. As the album version is over seven minutes, the single version is really good. Um, another star that finishes it off is eight minutes. Love's in Need of Love Today, which is the opening song, that's seven minutes. So that's my only complaint. It's a great album. It's one of those albums that you just put on and you just like kick back and soak it all in because there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I'm looking this up because I thought that he won Album of the Year. He did. He won Album of the Year at the 19th Grammy Awards for this. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not cool to, and I'm. I, it is. It is a great record, but I think that it would be an incredible single disc i think oh yeah, yeah, yeah i think this gets tusked uh a little bit there's some there's some stuff that you know what somebody should have said let's not let's not put that one on the record yeah maybe maybe i just listened to inner visions which is the album that comes mm, two before two before um because i think looking this up i think fulfilling this yeah fulfilling this first finale is right before songs in the key of life inner visions is great um still not my favorite stevie wonder album that 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 goes to talking book that's such a great record i mean you can't go wrong with you are the sunshine of my life superstition but inner visions is great as Anything with superstition on it automatically goes yeah. to great record status just for that. Well, Intervision says higher ground and living for the city. So, Oof. and speaking of songs that could have been shortened, living for the city could have been shortened too. The seven minute version on Intervisions is just again too too long. All right, I feel like an old man 
yelling, get off my lawn with that <laughs> criticism because it's still great. It's like your seven minute it. songs. I know. I still I still love it. It's still it's still an album that I just I I put on. Um, and I finally I finally bought the vinyl for that last week. It's out in the garage though because it's it's a little musty. I'm taking care of the must musty smell, so that's why I'm I'm holding up pictures of the albums that like twenty one twelve. Stevie Stevie has not found his way into the house yet because it's a little musty. We're taking care of that that smell. So <laughs> how do you remove you must fun. from a record? Um. So here's here's what you do, kids. Here I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some secrets. And the, and this actually works. So you take a paper towel and you spray Febreze on it, and you you let it dry. And then you just shove the paper towels into the, the sleeves and it soaks up all of the the the, the, the gross the funk. Stuff. Yep. So there you go. You're welcome. Now you guys can go buy those records at records, you know, at the, the, the garage sales and not feel bad about bringing them home when they smell like they've been in somebody's garage for 30 years which is probably what happened to this one. <laughs> so but i bought the collection oh I, I i need to share this with you so i i bought this collection for like 40 bucks i wasn't planning on buying it i was buying the dude cd collection and he was like hey i've got these records as well um are you interested and so the first the first thing that I'm I'm looking at is a big stack of Jethro Tull. He has like six or seven Jethro Tull records on on the top of the heap, and so my immediate reaction is, yeah, I'm probably going to pass on this because there's a bunch of Jethro in here. So I I dig a little bit further and I and I saw like Journey Frontiers, which I've been looking for a decent version, uh, copy of that on vinyl. Um, the Smiths, Meet His Murder was in there. He had two copies of that. So I'm like, you know what? I can I can sell one of those copies and pretty much make my money back. Um, so so I was like, all right, what you know? How much are you selling it for? And he was like. I just want it out of here. Take take it for forty bucks. I'm like, okay. So I bring it home. I was going to show you, but they're also out in the garage because they're a little musty. <laughs> but I start, but I start going through the 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 stack, and there's a little brown box, you know, big big enough to hold three records in it, and it's not in the box itself is not in great shape. It's unlabeled, and so I open it up, and I'm like. This is kind of weird. The, the 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 vinyl's a little bit thicker. Um, it looks like it, there's writing on the labels itself. And then I look at it and it says Echoes. And like track listing of like 20 minutes long. I'm like, pretty sure that's Pink Floyd. So I'm looking at looking that up. It is the Crackers bootleg from 1972, which is kind of the infamous bootleg of their Hollywood Bowl show. And so there's there's 
three of those records. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. So I'm looking on eBay, and there's no there's no copies of it. So I'm like, oh well, I guess maybe maybe I have it wrong. And then I go look at the completed items, and it, they sell for about one twenty to one fifty for the set. Look at you! Found myself a nice little gem in that little. Uh, little yes, you thing. did. Oh, and part part of that collection was a rare vinyl from the Super Suckers, which sells for about fifty bucks. Which I will proudly part with that one. Wow, you made out forty bucks. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get into this vinyl game. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's the we we turn this podcast into talking about all of the finds that we make at garage sales. Instead, there's our records revisited. Take that doesn't on. sound okay. like as much fun. No, probably isn't. Where are we at? Number seven. My number seven is the self-titled debut from Blondie, uh, released in December of 1976. Uh, didn't chart as a record. None of the, they released three singles. None of them charted. Um, I think it came out on private stock, which was it was then bought from private stock. I want to say, uh, I don't, I can't remember. Another record label bought it from Chrysalis, maybe. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and then they they did end up re-releasing it. I think just before their second album, but. Um, it's great. Like I say, Ex Offender is a is an amazing song. It it sounds, you know, like something that Phil Spector would have done with the Ronettes, but the but yet the lyrics are much uh more contemporary. I think I think uh I want to say it's about a prostitute that falls in love with the cop that arrests her. And it was originally supposed to be called okay. Sex Offender and the label made him call it Ex Offender, which and I was 76, that makes some sense. Um yeah. But listening to it, um, it's a little raw. I love Ripper to Shreds. I think that's one of my favorite songs. Debbie Harry is one of my favorite female voices. And I just saw her a couple years ago, and she still kills it. Uh, she still goes out there and performs like a 20-year-old. She's amazing. But yeah, two years after this was they're gonna be. They're gonna release one of the, my favorite albums of all time, Parallel Lines, a, yeah. an album that just has no bad songs. You know, say what you want about Heart of Glass, it's still cooler than any of anything else disco that was happening. Parallel Lines is when I jumped aboard the Blondie train. So those first two records, little too punk for me, I guess not commercial enough which again shows the differences between <laughs> your your listening pleasure and my listening pleasure probably um so yeah, yeah i did make their punk is so much list. different though like i say if it's funny when you listen to especially this this the debut uh and then you listen to the ramones because the ramones will do a lot of that 60s yeah. pop kind of stuff with with these much more contemporary, grittier lyrics, and I and and Blondie was doing something very similar. Obviously, with the girl voice, they had a different sound, but they, yeah, they they had their shot. I mean, the Ramones, which is on my list, they never they never were commercially successful, even though everybody absolutely you know 
talks about how much they love them and how influential they are. Um, yeah. Blondie at least got. I mean, at, at one point in the '80s, they were they were the biggest band. I mean, around that time of uh, the tide is high. After the after they did the Gigolo soundtrack, the American Gigolo soundtrack, they were they were as big as anything there was. Yeah, yeah. All right, Blondie didn't make my list. Sorry. Um, number seven for me is Bowie's Station to Station, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve uh, most of my comments because I want to hear your comments coming up later. Um, I almost bought it this weekend. I didn't. I ended up buying the new Killers record instead on vinyl. Have you listened to that yet? I have not. I saw. Uh, I know they're they're coming to Seattle in the fall. I'm considering going because so I still have a big credit from my Guns and Roses cancellation <laughs> or move to Portland. Uh, it's fantastic, dude. Like it's. Oh, good. It's not hot fuss, for sure. Um, it's more on the lines of Samstown mm. because this is Brandon channeling his inner Springsteen. This is his Nebraska, hmm. it, and it's just it's fantastic. I have a feeling down the road we're probably going to do another killers episode and it might just be for the new record because i want to i want to hear what your thoughts are because yeah maybe we'll do maybe we'll here's an idea we'll do a remember how we've done a few side by side what song is better maybe we do new killers album versus nebraska wow that is i don't know that is an interesting uh that's ballsy, right? That is an interesting idea. Yeah, that is. I'm intrigued. All I'm right. thoroughly intrigued, actually. Okay. Listen, listen to the record. Tell me, tell me what you think. Um, all right, back to Bowie. Uh, this is the one that includes Golden Years. I love Wild Is the Wind. Yeah, that is uh, such a great album closer. Yeah, and I I went ahead and list. I didn't listen to the Johnny Mathis, which was I believe, uh, the the first recording, uh, but the Nina Simone one is, it, which is the one that inspired David Bowie to cover it, is yeah. so haunting. It is super cool. Um, yeah, that record. We're just gonna, uh, we'll just that's my number two choice. And this is like I say, I, there's so much to love about this album. Golden Years was never I was it took me a while to warm up to Golden Years because all even because fame it took me a long time to to warm up to that funkier disco-y kind of stuff Uh, but Station to Station is a 10 minute cocaine fueled train ride through (laughs) through Germany I it's just in I mean all some of the stuff in there is I mean that's you know that's the inception of the he wasn't in Germany yet. This no, he's that's that, he's the that, it was all recorded in LA and he yeah. um he had he had remarked several times that he had very little recollection of any any of it. He was so high on cocaine. I had re- I can't remember what I was watching but they talked like he just he like lived on cocaine and milkshakes for like however long. Like that's all that's that's what was keeping him alive. Um but that's like I say that's the invention, you know, that's where he in, he reinvents himself as the thin white duke. 
um, yeah. which is mentioned in the yeah. in the first few lines of Station to Station. I love TVC fifteen. Um, okay. That if we if we ever do it, I'll spoiler alert. That will be my my number six, my top score. I love that eerie, um, you know, this holographic, quadraphonic uh, television. You know, with this yeah. great the TVC one five is so is you know controlling everything it's you know his girl it's taken his girlfriend it's all and it's all based off of an iggy pop hallucination where he told him about how he saw the tv was eating his girlfriend and bowie's like oh i'm i'm writing a song about this (laughs) and so his girlfriend in the in the song crawls into the tvc one five and he's singing along contemplating going in after but it just has this real creepy futuristic um you know where the lines between reality and virtual reality get very blurred, which I thought was once again written ahead of his time. You know, so many years ago, but this guy was yeah. this guy was he was he could he was omnipotent. He could see into the future. God, what a just an incredible. And like I say, this album, I got an album on my number one album has fourteen songs that comes in under twenty nine minutes, and this one he could only fit six and forty. Yeah. So good. Eventually, I will. I will add it to my Bowie collection. Um, it's hard. It's hard to find Bowie vinyl. I mean, I I typically like buying the used vinyl, the original vinyls, but I can't. I can't ever find Bowie records. It's tough. So, so that 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 was my quandary. Where I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna spend thirty bucks on a new record, am I am I buying it? a quote unquote new record from 1976 or am I buying a new record from 2021? So that was part of my reasoning as well. All right. Um, that was my, my seven. So what's your six? Um, I think my six was 2112. My five. No, my six is Kisses 1976 album Destroyer. To me, this is a formative record for me. Um, this is the album After Alive, which is the album that kind of in America they were getting bigger and bigger. I believe that Destroyer is their first international success. This is when they started to tour the world. They make an album that shows that kind of is able to show what their show their live their live performances are like. And now they, and then this also, you know, from even from the album cover, this is, it's like a comic book crossover. They're definitely drawn in the kids, um, and I, I bought it all hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. All right. Kiss does not make my list. Yeah, and like I say, there's a there are there's a lot of good stuff on it. It was influential to a lot of people my age. Also, this is where they brought in yeah. Bob Ezrin. He's the one that introduced some because t- this album does have a lot. Um, having been a Kiss fan for a long time, the first three albums are very conventional, you know, songs. And in this one, they do get, you know, there's children screaming. There's, you know, that, just like the opening track, Detroit Rock City has a very long intro where, you know, yeah. the guy goes out and you hear car doors opening and slamming and then the radio's on and then um, and it and it speeds into the song. So and this is also with their big crossover uh, hit, Beth which was, I believe, number seven on the Billboard chart. So, and that's a piano ballad where the drummer sings. Um, and it, that, com- that was another, another, another thing that, that catapults them 
even farther ahead. Destroyer was part of the collection I bought. So I now own two Kiss records. Ooh, what's the other one? Alive 2. Ah, uh, gotta get Alive. Yeah, well, it I was included in a CD collection. Formerly at one time I, I had. A couple months ago. So I formerly had lots of, I had Kiss Vinyl. I had Kiss 8 tracks. I don't know which one of my parents was convinced that that was going to be a the format of the future, but big mistake. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how much Kiss 8-tracks go for these days. They've got to go for a good chunk of chains, I would think. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, uh, Kiss fans, those guys will buy it. Those guys will buy anything. Of course, the only people that listen to 8-tracks these days are Scott Terry. That's that's it. Yeah, he I haven't seen him post I haven't seen him post anything on his Instagram for a while. He was uh like listening to a bunch of his old vintage a a tracks and taking videos of those. So anyways, I had one person, one person message me, a listener and was like, so you, you inviting Scott Terry back on for episode 200? I'm like, no, but we do need to have Scott back on. He's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, where, where are we at? Six, six is for me is Boston. All right, so what's your five? Uh, my five is Rush's 2112. Okay, well, we've already talked about that one, too. Unless you had any other things, any other thoughts? No, I thought we I thought we covered it. All right, we, we did it. All right, um, number five, Tom Petty's self-titled. Nice. That's, that's my number five for a couple reasons. Most of all, American Girl, that's that's a staple. But Fooled Again, I don't like it. Gosh, I love that song. Um, and of course, Breakdown, Breakdown yeah. is, on, is on this album. So, um, not my favorite Petty record. Would this be considered my f- fifth? Maybe this is my fifth favorite Petty record. But still great. Um, and one that I do listen to on occasion, and this is another one that I just I can't find on vinyl. Oh, I bet, yeah. Um, it's it's so it's so tough to find. Even even the new the the re-releases of Petty these days, you know, I think thanks to a little bit of his resurgence with the Wildflowers reissue, it's it's tough to find old Petty. So, um. If any listeners have a bead, a bead on some 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 old petty at a reasonable price, <laughs> let me know. At a, let me know. Let me know. I'm not talking garage sale prices. I'm I'm saying just reasonable record store used record store prices. All right. So that's that's number five. And of course, you probably saw that coming. You probably knew that I was going to pick some petty. Oh, hey. I I toyed with the idea too. I mean, when you look at it, you know, from so far back, it's it's you know, at the time I wouldn't have listened to it. At the time, probably you know, very few people um, out out yeah. here on the West Coast, especially, had heard of it. But yeah, this is all this is you know, reinventing. This is my favorite records from 1976 right now. So yeah, yep. it's it's, yep. it's 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 it was close. Okay. Um. So we're up to. You're four. What's four? My number four is Rocks by Aerosmith. And this is 
This is a follow-up to one of the best records of, uh, of all time, Toys in the Attic. Um, in so the attic. there's definitely room for a letdown after something like that. Um, and they come out with a couple of their big songs on this one, uh, Last Child and Back in the Saddle. And I did read something which I thought was funny is I guess in Back to the Saddle, there's a lot of uh, sound effects in that. Like there's clanging spurs, which were actually like um, mm. the bells from tambourines tied to Steven Tyler's cowboy boots and stuff like that. And I guess they originally bought a bull whip to make the whipping sound, but they couldn't get the whipping sound and they kept, they were all getting hurt trying to get this whip <laughs> to crack. So they ended up doing something with a microphone cord. But I could just see these guys high as fuck in a studio trying to whip a bull whip and just snapping themselves and each other yeah. and till till the Purdue, till Jack Douglas just said this is enough. <laughs> Somebody get that thing out of here. I I and I can totally see why this this makes your list because the one thing that I read about this album I, I I did listen to this one. This was one that I listened to and and I I liked it more than I remembered. That I liked it. Nobody's fault. That's great, great tune. Um, the one thing that I read was Joe Perry said that they were trying to, they were trying to re-identify themselves as a garage band. So, so I can, I can hear that, and that that definitely garage band. That's that's like Wayne's Wheelhouse right there. So I could see why that would make your list. Yeah, well, I've and like I say, I've always been a big Aerosmith fan. They they have this bluesy, sexy, but it's like dirty sex, like bathroom stall sex. These guys are it. They're especially their early stuff is just it's very raw. I mean, and they they were unashamed. Uh, and like I say, following something like Toys in the Attic, you could go in the direction of Boston or Foreigner or Sticks or something and try to gloss it up. And I thought they. They went the exact opposite direction, like Joe said, and right. just got a little more, a little grittier. And, and like I say, songs like Rats in the Cellar and Get the Let Out um, and Licking a Promise, Sick as a Dog. They, they, this, they could have, you know, they could have set themselves up for a fall after a big record like Toys in the Attic when I thought they came out yeah. and, uh, and st- stuck a lot with what was, the, with what got them here. I'm worried that. You're like, I love these guys because they remind me of dirty bathroom stall sex. Because now that makes me worried about you. <laughs> I'm, I'm way past that. Okay. You don't need to worry about me. All right. Number four for me, we've already talked about it. It's high voltage. So what's your what's your three? Or do you want me to go into my three? Oh, I'll go to three. My three is, I think, on your list also, and it's the Eagles Hotel California. This is this record was in my in my house on vinyl. Um, both my my parents were Eagles fan. I, I like I I identified much more with this one um, at my age because obviously there's stuff previous to this, and I think a lot of that was Bernie Leadon was a little more country, and this was. Definitely. I mean, you have Joe Walsh join the band, and it's it's gonna get it's gonna rock a little bit more. Um, and I've always loved the concept. I've always saw, I've always felt these songs were very closely related to that whole, uh, you know, California scene and all of the you know the fame and the money and the drugs and the you know the music and Excess. movies 
and all of that stuff I think is captured. Well, yeah, life in the fast lane. Oh, absolutely. And I had I had read that yeah. that Glenn that Glenn Fry's inspiration for that was a conversation with his drug dealer during a high speed car ride, uh, which is great. But even Hotel California, that that idea of of uh, being trapped in this thing, you know, in this whole world where you're you need to be cool and you need to look younger and better and and you you can check out any time you'd like, but you can never leave. Um, there's a lot of good, uh, and just California in general is has got that that mystique. You know, the sun is shining all the time. That's where the pretty people live. And so, um, I thought, especially on the singles, um, "New Kid in Town," which definitely is very uh, much, you know, along the lines of music and movies. The new, it's the new. You know, everybody loves you till somebody new comes along. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Life in the Fast Lane. Yeah, those I thought the three singles really tie together for that much more so than the the record as a whole. But you know, Pretty Maids All in a Row is definitely a song about the loss of innocence and wasted years. is is a song about aging and not being sure that you've done much with the time you've had to this point. So, and of course, Last Resort. Um, you know, environmentally. Uh, once again, that's kind of ahead of its time. Don Henley kind of ran with that later on, but there weren't any songs like that. So as much as much uh, shade as it gets thrown by guys like John Lamoureux, and I don't say that I wouldn't say that it doesn't deserve some of it, but I think if you if you allow yourself to to listen to it and kind of take it at face value, um, it, it is really a great record. Like I say, if we were to score this victim of love. 100% my favorite song of this record. Okay. I think Try and Love Again would be my surprise nine off of this. I I love Randy Meisner. I love his his songs. I That's probably my favorite off of this record. Yeah, because after that, going sp- Timothy B. Schmidt joins the band. <laughs> it's all downhill after that. Arch nemesis. The arch nemesis. Yeah. I, I guess we should say um, part of the reason why I'm not doing sound clips. At, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Don, I don't need Don Hamley's heat. I don't need him coming down on me. No, nah, I don't I don't want him suing me or throwing one of those. <laughs> like I told you, he, he, could, he could sue us for everything we've made on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just negative. Which isn't much. <laughs> Which isn't much. Um, oh, speaking of uh, garage sale uh, finds, did 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 I tell you that um, one of the one of the collections that I I didn't even buy, I got it for free. Somebody just posted it on Facebook Marketplace and was like, "I had a garage sale earlier in the day. Somebody come and take these CDs. I just want to be rid of them." So I'm like, okay, I'll I'll take them off off your hands. There's about 200 CDs, mostly classic rock, um, some country, a bunch of Garth. So I'm looking through looking through the uh, the the collection, and I mean, end of the innocence. Those CDs are a dime a dozen. They really are. They're I mean, you go to a Goodwill, you're probably going to find end end of the innocence, maybe multiple copies. So I'm looking in there. And it's a signed copy. Oh, wow. The CD booklet itself is signed by Don Henley. So 
I will be getting that uh, certified. That's a couple hundred dollars right there. So, anyways. Maybe maybe if I sell one of these collection items that I'm talking about, maybe we can then afford the T-shirt making stuff that we've been saying we we're gonna do forever. I you know what I think at this point, Wayne, we just need to go get a service and have them make the T-shirts for us. That's probably what's gonna end up happening, but yeah, I won't say we're lazy. Because I spend a lot of time editing and promoting this podcast, so it's not a lazy factor. It's just I don't have the bandwidth to also make T-shirts, which I want to do. I want to learn how to make my own T-shirts because that's such a cool process. But anyways, um, let me just get it out of the way. Hotel California is my number two. Um, my number three, this is where you're probably going to give me some, some, some shade. Yep. I'm pretty sure it is. One of the greatest, greatest live records of all time. The two record set of Frampton Comes Alive. You gave me crap when I saw Frampton a couple of years ago on his farewell tour. He's just a really underappreciated guitarist. I know he gets a lot of crap because of how big Frampton Comes Alive was. Um, you know, go back to your comment about you know, how people throw shade on Hotel California because not because it's not great musicianship. It's just that good gosh, it's everywhere and stop playing Hotel California. I don't want to hear life in the fast lane ever again, that kind of deal. I mean, Frampton comes alive. Um, everybody had a copy like this is, this is one. If you go to a record store, if you can't find a copy of Frampton Comes Alive in your record store, it's probably because the record owner, the record store owner, hates Peter Frampton. Is one of those guys where just hates Peter Frampton. Like if you listen to the the studio versions of Shine On, do you feel like we do? Um, show me the way. Yeah, this. The, the live version is so much better. And honestly, if you want a good um, new deep dive, you know, I, I would say late 70s, early 80s through like 86. What was 86? Premonition, I think was Premonition. That's a great album. I think you would even, you would even eat some words of the vitriol that you've thrown at Peter Frampton over the years. Vitriol is a bit much. Uh, I don't like the vocoder. I don't think it's interesting. Um, but I never... I, yeah, it's not interesting now. I mean... I don't know. This is the one okay. This is the one choice of yours that if I had a top 20 from 1976, it wouldn't have made it. Really? I don't okay. know. I just... But... but I, I figured you were going to give me crap because it's like, uh, it's not a studio record. It's essentially a compilation of all the records leading up to it. 
you know, there's a there's a cover of Jumping Jack Flash that they do that he does live on there as well. So I figured you were going to give me crap because of that, not because of the songs themselves. Yeah, I, I'm not a and I was I'm just not a huge Peter Frampton fan. That's fine. That's fine. It's all good. All right. Um, so that was my three. Two, you've already covered your two. That's Bowie, Station to Station. I've already covered my two with Hotel California. So tell me what your number one is. My number one favorite album from 1976 is the self-titled Ramones debut. They did not chart on anything. They released two singles, did not chart. Uh, Those singles were Blitzkrieg Bop which is one of the all-time best ways to open a record ever. Um, And I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, which was written by Tommy Ramone, which is very much along the lines of of the stuff. That was a single? Yeah. Um, But I think they were trying to get played on the radio, I think was, I mean, that's, these guys wanted to be, they wanted to make a living at this. And it's funny because this is, this is just stuff that was going on in New York. And then, um, they released this and played mostly, you know, American dates. They did do the week. I did a weekend on Fourth of July in London, and you know, the Sex Pistols, all the members of the Sex Pistols were at those shows. The Clash, The Damned, um, those records all came out in '77. And while they're much more politicaler, much more political um, than the Ramones, they're definitely inspired by um, Malcolm McLaren was in New York around the scene and he took that over there and and that's where the the, the British punk which is very different um, is definitely spawned from this but um, I mean 14 songs 29 minutes I think the longest song on here is two minutes and 35 seconds uh, you know and it's and it's full of you know I can say Blitzkrieg Bop Beat on the Brat um, I want to sniff some glue, uh, and then one of my favorite Ramones songs, Fifty Third and Third. Here's a song. Uh, you know, Dee Dee writes the best Ramones songs. Those those really those hardcore like stories with um, interesting characters. You know, a Vietnam vet out on Fifty Third and Third hustling, probably got hooked on heroin in the uh, in Vietnam, and now he's turning tricks to try to, to try to score. Um, and like I say, that's real. That was real life for a part of Dee Dee's uh, life. I when you said two singles, I figured "Beat on the Brow" was the other single, but that makes sense that it would not have been released as a single in 1976. But and originally, Blitzkrieg tune. Bop was called "Animal Hop," I think, and it was mostly written by Tommy. And it was and it because when you look at the lyrically, it does have a very it's kids partying, yeah. but. Dee Dee, I say, and I, even that whole kind of scene, the Dead Boys, and a, there were a couple other bands that they used swastikas, not because they were not not as an to show anti-Semitism. It was just that was the symbol. It was still, you know, still fresh in a lot of people's mind, and that was what upset people, and it made them uncomfortable. And yeah. so the so because like I say, uh, there were a number of of label heads that were Jewish and were like. Get those schwazikas out of here. What do you, you know, and they, Tommy, Tommy Ramones, 
I believe his parents were Holocaust survivors. So it's not, yeah. it's not, it's much more to create uh, discomfort and to make that up that generation before them upset. Yeah, my kids going back to the 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 kid song aspect. My kids knew Blitzkrieg Bop from a episode of Scooby Doo. Well, there so. you go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, my number one might be a surprise to some people, but um, I listened to this album again last week, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is this is my favorite record from 1976. Uh, so I picked Night Moves from Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. I will say that it's mostly because of the title track. That is probably in my top five songs of all time. Like, I just love that song. I can I can listen to that song in a constant loop, and uh, it still gives me all the feels. But here, here are some of the other songs that are on this record. So Fire Down Below, <laughs> Rock and Roll Never Forgets, Come to Papa, Main Street, yeah. which Main Street is just... Good gosh, that's such a that's such an ear ear candy. So I just there's not a bad song on this record. No, I, in fact, the biggest surprise to me is it's not on my list. Also, I I this is one of my and like Night Moves is uh, so strong, but I've always loved Main Street, especially when you think of the time 1976. You know that the American auto industry is in trouble, and. Uh, yeah. He really, he really paints a picture. But like I say, you look at the th- the, th- the first three songs out of the gate: "Rock and Roll Never Forgets," "Night Moves," and "The Fire Down Below." I mean, he's Strong. he's got this thing revved up. Um, he's able to, you know, drop it down a little bit with Sunburst before he comes back in. So, anyway, so that's 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 my favorite record of of this year. I mean, there's there's a ton of great records to choose from. If I had a top fifteen, Ramones would have been probably twelve. Um, I already mentioned Queen. At one point, Boss Gag, Silk Degrees was in my was in my top ten, and then I listened to it again as a comparison to all of those other records that we've already talked about. And I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't put it in the top ten. I love it. Yeah, the two I, I best said, Boss Gag songs are on that record. Oh, absolutely. I and I was the same way about uh, Steve Miller Band's Fly Like an Eagle. Um, it has, you know, my Possibly yeah. my two favorite Steve Miller band songs, uh, "Take the Money and Run" and "Wild Mountain Honey," but he has there's a horrible, terrible version of "You Send Me" that was it was so yeah, bad. It's not good. Uh, and then it, yeah, it, it falls apart at the end. Um, like I say, it has "Fly Like an Eagle," it has "Rock Me," um, but then it just there were some bad choices. His version of "Mercury Blues" wasn't too bad, but uh, I think there's. Yeah, that version of you singing was not, terrible. I I did not re-listen to it because I, yeah, I have a copy of Fly Like an Eagle, and I I gotta say it was, it's it's an album that I just don't revisit. Dreamboat Annie, also just missed out on my top top ten, mostly because side two of Dreamboat Annie is not super strong. But side A, side A is just killer. 
Matt, you start out with Magic Man, then Dreamboat Annie, then Crazy on You. Uh, anyways, and I've been on a heart kick lately as well. Um, so I bought a bunch of their records. Uh, have all of their all of their '80s output, which early '80s, not not great. <laughs> How can I refuse? That's probably the only good song that came out of that um, era. All right, other ones that I listened to. Tell tell me your tell me your thoughts on on some of these. Um, Al Stewart's "Year of the Cat." Did you listen to that one? No, I know the I know the title track, but it's it's okay. Um, album's not bad. Uh, Joan Armitrade and self-titled record. I thought we did that. Didn't we do that? We did not do that one. We did We did her first album back, what, 69, 70? Um, with, mm. uh, with Rev. Steely Dan, Royal Scam. That's a good one. I have a, yeah, I have, I was on a, right up your yeah, I was on a Steely Dan kick a couple, like six songs. a couple months ago. How about Rolling Stones, Black and Blue? Uh, that is not their strongest work. Um, yeah. Fool yeah. to Cry, probably the highlight. I love that tune. Uh, Led Zeppelin's Presence. I didn't even I didn't even bother to listen to it because I just I remember how much I just didn't like Presence. Um, that came that's, out in '76. That's, that's a big one. That's a that's a lot. They're getting proggy. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what's what's the big song on Presence. Is it Achilles Last Stand? It was Achilles Last Stand. Speaking of long songs, um, actually, nobody's fault but mine is on there too. When you made so many good records leading up to that one, like it's hard to just not give you a little bit of a pass for that. Modern Lovers. I was surprised that Modern Lovers did not make your top ten. That is, that's Wayne's wheelhouse right there. I would put Roadrunner as probably one of my in my top one hundred songs. I love that song. Okay. Um, I love Pablo Picasso and She's Cracked, but if there is something disjointed about it, and there's something very like at points. It does feel like they're ripping off the Velvet Underground a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but also it's not. It uh, it's it's cobbled together from a bunch of demos. That is not right. that is not a sit down, go into the studio and make this record. That is a bunch of demos made at different studios for multiple record labels. Um, and Jonathan Richmond never even considered it his debut work. So there is something disjointed about it. But Roadrunner is absolutely one of the best songs ever yeah yeah all right um i also listen to george harrison's 33 and a third cracker box palace is on that this song was the other single not bad but there is definitely some filler on that record like i like a lot of other records of george in the 70s but but not bad um all right, last but not least was The Runaways. And I like them for their their the rawness of it all. I obviously love Cherry Bomb. Right. 
but it was that one was one that I that I toyed with putting on there. Uh, one other one that I listened to was "Trick of the Tale" by Genesis. Finally listened to that recently. I bought a I bought a whole collection. Somebody had a bunch of old Peter Gabriel and early Genesis as well. So I I bought that collection and been digging through the the Genesis stuff and and quite honestly I don't like Genesis until Abacab. <laughs> so I don't know what that makes me not proggy, I guess. I don't know. Not proggy. Not proggy. That's for sure. All right. All right, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Oh, there's no way we could have. It was a big beautiful year. Like I say, I remember that that summer it was all red, white, and blue, and yeah, it's a it's quite a time. Yeah. So for episode two hundred, we got to give shout out to all of our Patreon patrons. So shout outs to all of you. I'm gonna name each one of you: Phil Berg, Tom Nierberg, Tom Hershey, Ryan Humbertson, Tim McKay, Tim Reed, Nicola Valley, Carly Anderson, Andy B, Kevin Peters. Thank you all of you for paying paying our bills, uh, paying the hosting fees, paying the you know all the the, the, the stuff that we're doing with the recording studio. Um, yeah, it's great. Thank you, thank you all so much for uh, for 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 being a part of this. Um, I know that I asked you this on episode one fifty. So uh, you got another two hundred episodes in you? I yeah I I do. Let's hope it takes longer to get to it. That's all. That's all. That's my <laughs> only request. All right. Um, look, as long as we have guests, you yeah, know, picking. I, I hear you. Picking, throwing muses records and jewel records, like we're still going to have plenty of ground to cover. So as long as they keep picking those, and we've got records coming up for. The Zombies, we've got episodes for Gaslight Anthem, uh, Death Cab. Um, You know, these are not albums that are on the quote-unquote Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time, but they mean something to the people who are picking them. Um, As long as that's happening, yeah, we we got another 200 episodes in us. I was looking at records that we have not covered yet. We still have not done a Van Halen episode, which I think is just yeah. a travesty. Yeah, that that is that's one of my favorite bands. I, yeah. I there's not well the David Lee Roth years. Not that I don't love the Sammy Hagar years. I don't. I just don't. I don't connect to them as deeply. But any of those first six records, I would absolutely. I could do. Yeah. I could do tomorrow. Yeah. Uh I could do fifty one fifty and OU eight one two as well. Easily. I need a couple of days. <laughs> okay. Well, I connect with those two records. Oh no, I, I do too. I just don't I'm not not I don't have the familiarity that I have. Those first six, um, I know I got I know the deep cuts. I know all of that. Uh we still haven't done Zozo and Physical Graffiti. I think that's a travesty as well. We haven't done Purple Rain 1999 or Sign of the Times. 
also travesties. We were supposed to do Sign of the Times like a year and a half ago, and then person went dark on me. Um, so, still love you, Gary, but you went dark on me. What's the story, Morning Glory? Haven't done that one yet. Did the other Oasis record, but we didn't do it. I think there's lots of stuff from the 90s that uh, I, I know I'd, I'd be interested in. Haven't done Van, uh, Van Morrison record either, which considering that I'm looking at my CD collection and I'm like, I think there's like 18 Van Morrison records over in that collection and we haven't done any of them. And please don't pick Astral Weeks because I feel like it's overrated. All right. There, I just said it. Said Astral Weeks is overrated. All right. Um, should I read all the other crap that way that I usually do at the end? Do I need to do that? I think you should. All right. So find our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. We're on the socials. I'm still on Facebook for the time being, but you can find me mostly on Twitter, at Podcast Records there. Wayne is on the Instagram page, but he still hasn't posted anything about who's next. That's not true. Did you? You are, you are a liar, sir. When did you, you do that? Double check your facts. Was Previous it today? to this conversation. Yeah, so it was today. Four days after I posted the episode. Four days? Posted Thursday First night. First of all, <laughs> Thursday night after I went to bed. No, no, um, what time did you go to bed? I posted at like I don't know. 11 o'clock my time. Whatever. We're, quib- we're, quib- we're, quib- we're quibbling now. I'll, I'll yeah, shut up. I'll, I'll shut yeah, up. You're wrong. Right. That's, I think, the heart of this matter. Yeah. Bite me. All right. Um, of course, also uh, go to Patreon. <sighs> my thing is, um, my, my verbiage that I've got here is go to Patreon and get episodes a week early. Yeah. The Mark Bryan episode just threw me off as far as editing, so I have I still have three episodes that I have not finished episode uh, editing yet. So apologies to the Patreon people. Um, I will get out an episode to you, an early access episode, um, very soon. I'm apologies. Go to Patreon.com/slash/RecordsRevisitedPodcast for all the details, and you know. As usual, thanks for listening. Go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on record store day. We are Records Revisited. And we are... Out. Out.